Hello and welcome to Plotress. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're talking about Electric Idol by Katie Robert. This was just published in 2022 and is the second book in the Dark Olympus series. And full disclosure, we did receive a complimentary advanced reader copy from Edelweiss. So we reviewed the first book in the series, which was called Neon Gods. Yep. Earlier in January. Yeah, just a couple Um, weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And we did that because we knew we wanted to read this one right around its release date. And so while the first one was, you may recall, about Persephone and Hades, this one is about Cupid and Psyche or Eros and Psyche. Eros and Psyche, yes. It is. So should we get into the book jacket and then really get so. into the book? He was the most beautiful man alive. And if I wasn't careful, he was going to be my death. A scorchingly hot modern retelling of Psyche and Eros that's as simple as it is sweet. In the ultra-modern city of Olympus, there's always a price to pay. Psyche knew that she'd have to face Aphrodite's ire eventually, but she never expected her literal heart to be at stake or for Aphrodite's gorgeous son to be the one ordered to strike the killing blow. Eros has no problem shedding blood. But when it comes time to take out his latest target, he can't do it. Confused by his reaction to Psyche, he does the only thing he can think of to keep her safe. He marries her. Psyche vows to make Eros's life a living hell until they find a way out of this mess. But as lines blur and loyalties shift, she realizes he might take her heart after all. And she's not sure she can survive the loss. I have so many issues with this jacket. Yeah. First, ultra modern city of Olympus. No, it is not like some sci-fi post future. It's like very clearly basically the same level of technology as any average city today. Psyche like absolutely does not vow to make Eros' life a living hell. Mm-mm. None She's of like that is accurate. To, like we're going to have to figure out how to live with each other, you know, make the best of this marriage. It's... It's it's just a bad jacket. It misses a lot of the point. I was going to say, it doesn't mention one of the most significant parts of the book either, which is that Psyche is fat. She's a plus-size influencer, really, on social media. I mean, to be true, though, to be honest, neither of them have much characterization in the jacket, other than him being Aphrodite's son and ordered to kill her. Yeah. You don't know much about either of them from it. No, it's true. Well, as usual, we generated a random number and then wrote summaries based on that number. Let's see if we got anything better than this book jacket. So for this episode, that number is 28. I can start. Assassin meets victim and can't go through with it. To protect her, he marries her. Duh. Can the new kids on the block take down the old guard? I mean, that last sentence is what this series is effectively about. <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> At least I don't know. so far. We were, I was really restricted to that 28, and I, I wanted to get both parts of the story in there. I don't think I did an amazing job with my 28-word summary, but I think I did better than the official jacket. Um, I just didn't deal with the assassin meets victim and can't go through with it at all. Okay. Like, glad you touched on it, because I didn't. So my 28-word summary. 
the truth doesn't matter when the pictures tell a different story, especially when you need to convince the world you're desperate for a guy you're super desperate for. Nice. I like it. Thank you. So the tropes, the big trope of this book and one that I like a lot, especially this is a trope I think I like more in contemporaries than I do in historicals and it's marriage of convenience. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I get that. Like th- th- there's an inherently more equal playing field. Right. And it's just not a thing like marriages of convenience are they're used a lot more in historicals because it's historically accurate. I, for me, I think I like reading about it in a contemporary because you, there needs to be some kind of weird, you know, setup for you to get to that marriage of convenience. Fair. So I went in a totally different direction with tropes this week. Mm-hmm. because I actually saw a lot of parallels here between historicals and this book in terms of trope, but like obviously played with in a more modern context. Oh, interesting. So he's somebody's fixer, right? Mm-hmm. And usually when we see this, the relative the guy's a fixer for is usually a duke. And it's usually because he's an illegitimate half-brother who's sort of being manipulated as his in his status as this outsider who feels really dependent on the legitimate sibling for his place mm-hmm. in society and like gratitude for that person for not rejecting him when he easily could have. Right. In this case, the modern twist, or at least the historical pantheon modern twist, is that Eros is his mother's fixer. Mm-hmm. But a lot of those thematic elements are still really consistent. It's true. Yeah. Well, and I would argue that this plays into not the trope, but the new trend, which is the toxic family of origin. Oh, I've got, I'm getting there. Oh, okay. Excuse me. I'm sorry that I infringed. Oh no. I just, I have a lot to say about the way this one worked too. Um, you called it a marriage of convenience, which it is, but I'd actually, I think it was a play on the ruined and forced to wed or be ruined trope. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, the alternative here is, like, they get, and it was a false dichotomy, but either they get married or she dies. Right. Whereas in historicals, it's either they get married or she'll be shunned by society for the rest of her days. She'll be dead to society, yeah. Right, so it's like, it wasn't much of a choice. It was the, like, most socially acceptable to them of both options. Right. I mean, I guess her other option, which they don't seem to suggest is an option, is leaving Olympus. Yeah. But, but that's never actually legitimately on the table. No, no, it's never on the table. It's never legitimately on the table. Okay, if this is like, this is a modern secret baby romance where they never talk about abortion. Okay. I'm not saying, I'm not saying there's a secret baby or abortions or anything. I'm just saying there's this obvious solution that no one ever talks about. That's what I mean. Right, like, he thinks about it very briefly and then is like, but that's unthinkable. And it's like, okay, but why? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Um, And then the third one that I want to call out as, like, mirroring historicals is she's got a big, crazy family. And Mm -hmm. this is where I want, like, talking about toxic familial dynamics as a trend in romance at the moment. What? Demeter is, like, the devil you know in the first book. 
And her dynamic with her daughters is played off in this one as like, yeah, my mom can be kind of a problem, but ultimately we all love each other. And it was just like, what the fuck is happening? I was not ready for this heel turn or face turn. I'm sorry. I mean, it's it's very interesting that you say that because I, for me, it I was able to handle it because the book is written in the first person. And for me, this is Psyche's view and her perception, her lived experience, to use a trendy word, a trendy term. I, I think I can see that. Uh, but why are Persephone and Hades there? At the Like, it's one thing for them to have this agreement that they're going to go to these six public functions. Why are they at private family dinners in Demeter's house? It's a good question. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Totally fair. I just felt like it was a, it was a very different perception. And you're right. Some of that can be attributed to the narrator. But the character from the first book, it was present in a lot of scenes with her toxic parent. Yeah. In a way that didn't feel authentic to that, was authentic to that character. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, I feel very lucky that I don't come from a family that has this kind of dynamic, Mm -hmm. but I, I do think different siblings can really experience the same things, the same parent in very different ways. That's true. Yeah. Anyway. Those are my three that with like very close ties to the historical world at the moment. Any other tropes you noted? Well, I mean, he's, he's the original bad boy, right? He's too bad in my opinion. Oh, this is very interesting because a lot of times we say that the bad boy isn't bad enough, Mm -hmm. but then if you really are a truly bad boy, then sometimes you can you can go too far. And in this and, case, the reason I will say too far is he's a straight up murderer several times over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we yeah. diff. Yes. I mean, I, <laughs> I can't defend him. I'm trying to think of like other bad boys that I've read and like really enjoyed. And I, I do think that I like, I like a bad boy who's a bad boy emotionally, but maybe not like an abuser or actual assassin. <laughs> bad boy. Shocking. I know. Yeah. This, he just, there was too much actual murder that was never sufficiently dealt with in, for my taste. It was a lot of murder. It was a lot of murder and. <laughs> He was treated like the victim a lot of the time. Yes. Which I'm sure we'll talk about it, which is, I thought it was an interesting choice. I definitely was like, okay, Psyche's really, you know, (laughs) she's really going through some mental contortions here, which is fair for someone named Psyche, I guess. Um, I mean, that's the origin of the word, I'm pretty correct. sure. <laughs> correct. <laughs> so I was like, well, you know, it's it's true to her character, <laughs> sort of. Yep. Uh, and then the other trope I saw, which I, I kind of, I enjoy this, and it does not happen that often in historicals, which is the bang it out trope. Yeah. Which is like, the, okay, we know we're attracted to each other. Let's just fucking get it over with. Get it out of our systems. Get this is clearly system. something I'm only going to want once. Well, one night we do everything possible and then we're done. One time. But one not time. One, one time period. Right. 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 <laughs> yes. 
I yes, exactly. I really liked it actually. Um, one of I my favorite things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things that ties into that trope wise for me is his whole house is filled with mirrors, and you know, the second they start getting talked about, you're just waiting for them to fucking. Yes, you you know, Chekhov's mirror. Chekhov's fuck mirror. Chekhov's mirrors. Chekhov's fuck mirror. <laughs> yes, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. Just to point this out, yes, just like Neon Gods, this is written in the first person present tense with alternate perspectives. So you get it from Psyche's point of view and you get it from Eris's point of view. Mm-hmm. This will never be my favorite thing, but I think Katie Roberts does it well enough that it's not, it doesn't actively bother me. I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. <laughs> so I just right out there all right was there anything you liked about this book i mean i think it goes back to the first one the concept here is so cool let's talk about that a little bit actually so the concept is super cool right this is like modern day there's some city that some we don't really know how and to be honest i don't need to know how so i don't mind that she doesn't go into great detail about what the magic is and how it happens and stuff like that but this town is ruled by 13 people who seem to have some kind of godlike powers, right? So, and then, so they're sort of like the celebrity elite as well as like actual people being in power, right? Yeah. So then their entourages, their children, and then, you know, those people who aren't actually in power but are adjacent to power, are their lives are up for public consumption, really. I think it's probably most akin to, like, the British monarchy. Right. Except not all 13 positions are hereditary. Right. And they actual, they have, like, actual power right but yeah I would say it is very similar to like a modern day monarchy just in terms of like the way people close are up for public consumption yes exactly exactly um and I think what I think one of the things we both liked about the first one was that it did track pretty closely with the original myth and that was one place that I thought was just not not as well done in this book as in the first. I mean, I don't really think there was much arrow psyche here at all. I mean, the only thing is the, you know, he he's a he's a monster during the she knows who he is. So there's you know like there's no blue beard. There's no like we meet in the dark and I don't know I don't see him. You know. So just for our listeners who aren't super familiar with Eros uh, Psyche, because I think it's a little less well-known than Hades mm-hmm. Persephone, um, Eros is Aphrodite's son, and Psyche is the daughter of a king who's, like, so super hot that Aphrodite, just by virtue of the way the world talks about her, gets so super, super jealous. Mm-hmm. And she's so hot that she's, in t- like, all the men are too afraid to marry her, so her mm-hmm. sisters go off and get married and leave her single. 
Mm-hmm. And so Eros is sent to basically force her to fall in love because he's Cupid and he can manipulate that with like someone absolutely horrid. But the second he lays eyes on her, he falls in love with her. And so he like scoot, takes her away to his like lair. Okay. His penthouse. Um, and tells her that he will only come to her during the day and she can never look at him and she can never he, ask he, questions. About who he is. He only come to her at, at night at night. Sorry. So she yeah. spends all day by herself, not right. knowing who he is, not knowing what he looks like. And her sisters, because they're jealous, end up convincing her that she needs to see him. And then great tra- tragedy ensues. Yeah, so she does. She goes to see him. She's like, whoa, this guy's like the hottest guy ever. But then she wakes him up because she spills some oil on him because she's looking at him with an oil lamp. And then he wakes up and turns into a monster. And actually, the ending is kind of interesting because there are several different endings to it. Right. That's why I just said Greek tragedy and shoes because yes. there's several different ways that you could go with it. But yeah, yeah. so there's re- other than he gets sent to do one thing and ends up marrying her instead. And they're sort of hidden away from the world. There's no other parallels as far as I can see. Right. I was trying to figure out. I was waiting for some kind of like, I don't know, maybe a reversal of the myth where, and I guess there sort of is. Everyone in the world sees him as a monster, but she finds like the human beneath. Whereas in the myth, it's sort of the other way around, right? But there's still like the part of what makes the myth so interesting is how ignorant she is right and how manipulated by others she is and that's none of that is here at all no no and i think the other thing are, is yeah eros's role as the god of love to be flipped into being an assassin is just so inherently different and i was really looking forward to seeing how eros was played with yeah and adapted and the fact that he just wasn't was a real letdown that said I stand by the initial interest in the 13 and the adaptation of gods as modern politicians and all of those wider themes being super interesting. Yeah. I, I still think it's really interesting. Yeah. I just wanted to get into the fact that I think both of us as general fans of Greek mythology were a little let down by, by the treatment of this particular myth. Yeah. Especially because I think it has so much potential. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. There, you know, he could have been like, let's get married, but you go back and live with your mom and I'll visit you at night. There are a lot of things that could have happened, you know, a lot of different ways it could have been played with. Okay. So other than that, I really liked Psyche's character and her persona. So Psyche is a plus size influencer. She... I liked that she took power over her own image. I'm really liking the way Katie Robert is using social media and like the power of, I don't know, the mob or mass perception. I think it's really interesting what she's doing with that. Yeah. And I don't think I'd like to read... For me, I don't think I would want to read a romance of someone who's, you know, 
the <laughs> um, Paris Hilton type influencer or a Kardashian type influencer, you know, in the modern world. So I think the fact that it's sort of gods and goddesses and a little bit removed makes me enjoy it a little more. Interesting. I definitely think the way she would arrange lighting and like the commentary on authenticity was really interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I wouldn't like to read a modern romance with the same sort of angle. Um, yeah, I, I hadn't really given it much thought. I think to me, honestly, it just seems so normal. Yeah. I mean, it might be, I, I think I wouldn't mind reading about like a plus size influencer, right? Like doing the same things that Psyche does without the additional, like everyone's interested in you anyway. So you have to figure out a persona for yourself. Right. Cause you get the feeling that this isn't something that Psyche would choose to do on her own necessarily. Right. She's chosen. Oh, interesting. I disagree. Oh, for me, I feel like the way I read it was this is how she's dealing with the fact that her mother is now Demeter. Her mother is um, a celebrity by virtue of that. She is now a celebrity and she has to figure out how to deal with the scrutiny. And the way she's decided to do it is, you know, become an influencer, basically embrace her. What what Olympus sees as flaws and make that her strength. Yeah, I definitely got the impression that she liked looking good and fucking with people through public persona and did not get the sense that this was only what she did as a coping mechanism. Well, I don't think it's a coping mechanism, but I think it was, this is going to happen anyway, so I'm going to do it on my own terms. That's how I read it. Okay. I, I think I agree more with that phrasing than the way you initially put it. Sure. <laughs> but so that's why I'm saying I, I think that I don't think I would hate this in a contemporary romance. I think for me, the aspect that is more palatable here is there the celebrity portion of it. Okay. Let's see. So I already said this. I just love marriages of convenience in, in contemporaries because I just think it's so much fun. So I just like that. I like that. It's like, how else are you going to get that forced proximity and all that stuff? I don't know. I love it. Okay. So I know we're going to disagree on this. I was let down by the ending of this one. Oh, interesting. I I thought coming from a mile away, I thought it was all so telegraphed. I was frankly really bored by the buildup to the final conflict. But I did really love with the marriage of convenience, sort of the ending before the ending. Mm-hmm. where she finds out that Demeter was keeping something from her that would have given her another choice mm-hmm. and how it's not brushed off as like, I would have loved you anyway. And this was absolutely the right thing. And like yes. that, I, I, I did not love the actual ending, but I loved that whole sequence. I, I don't know. I was into it. I liked the ending. I thought it was fun. Did Was I, like, surprised by it? Not necessarily, but I enjoyed it. I liked the idea that she was using the power, Psyche was using the power that she had to take down someone who ostensibly had much more power than she did. I don't disagree with that. I think my problem was more the pacing of the book as a whole. Mm, yeah. 
which led to the ending feeling like a foregone conclusion so early that it was just frustrating that you were waiting for it. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. Didn't bug me. Obviously, I really like the ending, so. Um, I think just to elaborate a little bit more on my last point. So, you know, they basically get photographed together in a in a moment that nothing has really happened, but the photograph looks like they're very close and that leads to a whole bunch of rumors and scandal. And you know, pretty much from that moment, Aphrodite is going to put out the, you like Aphrodite very quickly puts out the hit on her and you know, like they're just waiting for Aphrodite's wrath. And the next 70% of the book sort of takes place in 48 hours mm-hmm. before Aphrodite like is made aware of what's happened. And right. I think that's kind of what I mean by, I really didn't enjoy the pacing. Like, oh, I this see what you really mean. Really big guillotine hanging over their heads and they know it's coming. And like that as a reader, like it felt like the 70% of the book was a sex interlude. And I didn't want to complain about it being too sexy or whatever, but ultimately, like, I felt like the way the conflict was set up and then what they did with their time was really frustrating. That's, you know what? That's totally fair because, like, yeah, I mean, it's a sex book, so it didn't bug me. (laughs) Right. I'm I'm aware of what I'm saying. But I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. The other thing I want to say, and this is, you know, I like Katie Robert. Like I said, I like this concept. One of the things I really value the most in authors I really, really love is every character sounding really distinct and truly mm-hmm. being their own voice. I didn't feel like Psyche or Cupid's voice was that distinct from Hades and Persephone. Yeah. I, I feel like she does a good job of differentiating the characters in the book. So like I wasn't confused when I was in Eros's head thinking, well, this sounds like Psyche. I was a couple of times. The scene where they go to see Zeus, I wasn't, I couldn't. So this is, we had an arc. So like, this is not a criticism of Katie Robert. The formatting was just weird, I think, because we had an arc. So I couldn't, like the chapter heading wasn't on the right page. So it was just a little difficult to discern. And you were in Eros's head. And I definitely thought it was Psyche's for like two pages. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It would be interesting to read without the headings and see if you, if you were like, if it was obvious, you know? Yeah, but so, like, I enjoyed this. I think the concept's really fun. I do not think the writing is poor. I just want to be very clear about what I'm saying. But I think Psyche and Persephone were supposed to be very different characters, and I think they pretty much had the exact same voice. Okay, yeah. All right. Are you ready for content warnings now? Yes. All right. I mean, okay, content warning number one. Eros is an actual assassin and kills a lot of people. And as Meg said, he is treated like the victim here. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, really struggled with that. Yes. There are parts of it where like, yes, you know, he was expected to do the, he was expected, he was groomed to become a killer. On the other hand, he is a killer. And it, it, but at this point in the book, he's like, what, 28? Yeah. So one, at a certain point, you stop getting the excuse of your shitty, shitty childhood in terms of your behavior as an adult. But second of all, the reason he's continuing to behave in a shitty way, other than like desperation for his mother's love, is sort of an unwillingness to give up his privilege. Mm-hmm. It's like a, what is my life if I don't do this for my mom? I'm like, I don't know you're fucking normal. Right. You don't kill people? Like, sorry that you'd have to give up the gilded mirror-filled condo. I don't feel that bad for you, sir. 
Yeah, no, exactly. And then it, it falls a little bit into the, you know, for the good, for the love of a good woman, I'll give up my crimes, you know. He doesn't also seem to be feel any guilt. He he doesn't seem to feel guilt. He feels bad that he's not good enough for her. But right? he never is like, damn, wish I hadn't killed that person. <laughs> he feels guilty about like one person, I think. The most recent person, the most recent woman, girl that he killed. In front of her parents. Like, the day he met her. Like, the day this book starts. Which is like 72 hours before the final scene. He straight up murdered an innocent person in cold blood in front of her parents about 30 minutes prior to chapter one. And that's just never dealt with. Nope. It's not. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's a bad boy. He's a bad boy. <laughs> I think that is the understatement of the fucking century. <laughs> like, Hades, at least Hades was doing it to, like, protect his people, you know? He never sought out murder as a revenge tactic that we saw. No. no. Like, killing happened or, like, violence happened as a, like, response or as a defense mechanism there is a big fucking difference between that and straight up murder it's true it's true and i mean at the end eris isn't going to do it anymore but he feels no remorse pretty much for what he has done it's true it's true so so that happens in the book guys just be aware so then so psyche is fat she's plus sized she's plus size influencer um she does she is on the end of some fat shaming but that's challenged every time right and honestly Not, I, I think the only time it's stated on the page is from aphrodite mm-hmm. like he reads it in the comment section but they never tell you what the comments said he's like these comments are horrible and she's like yeah don't read the comments yeah and you, the reader, don't read the comments. No, you, the reader, I think she does a pretty good job, actually, of giving you a fat heroine without giving you fat shaming that's on the page. Like, you know that she's experiencing it, but you don't have to read it yourself. I agree. Other than so, from Aphrodite. Right. The, the villain. Right. I struggled a little bit. So the first book was clearly, like, a voyeurism fetish. Right. I just slurred right through that. Sorry, everybody. Um, And I wondered, like, if this was going to be a continuation of a fetish. And there were a couple of moments here where I felt like it veered into fat as a fetish. Mm Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if it was supposed to. And I didn't know if I just was reading it that way because... I'd sort of preconceived these as fetish books. Yeah. So I kind of feel like I, I need to read it again with a clear lens to like adequately address this point. Yeah. I, I read it more just that Eros was attracted to her. Not, Fair. not specifically because of her weight, but just he thought she was very hot and she was fat. So her weight and, and shape were mentioned in sex scenes. That's fair. Again, like, I I kind of want to give it another read through. Mm -hmm. I won't. But just just to figure out, like, 
was I reading it that way because of my expectations of what the series was going to do? Right. Yeah. It's, it's an, it's an interesting question because I, I mean, I don't think I went into it with that perspective and I didn't, I didn't catch anything that I thought, Ooh, this seems a little fetish. It, you know, he's not like feeding her or anything like that, you know? No, 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 no. This is not like feeder gainer shit. No, 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 no. Nothing like that. I mean, he, he is like, she, she does, he does feed her sometimes, but it's more like you haven't eaten all day. You need to have breakfast. He likes to cook. Yeah, and she doesn't, and that was a little Fifty Shades of Grey, but it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I think we're we're bridging into sexiness anyway, so this is a sex book. I thought it was hotter than book one, personally. I was more into Hades Persephone. And so I think I thought that book was hotter, but I agree that this one is objectively like more sex-based. Well, it's interesting because I think Persephone and Hades, I think there's more sex on the page because they're in his sex room and like they watch a lot of sex happening. Yeah, sex-based. So, yeah, but <laughs> but in this one, like there, there's, there's like the mirrors and stuff, but it's very much like, I guess to lean into the, the psyche eros myth when they're at home alone like separated from the world they just want to bang all the time yes in the 72 hours during which this book place takes place yeah well i mean there's like the she's like okay fine let's just do it and get it out of our systems this night is the only night and they like fuck all night long and then when they wake up in the morning She's like, oh, well, you know, we're, we've finished. And he's like, it's not. The night's not over until we get out of bed. <laughs> and so they just stay in bed for like another however many hours. <laughs> the By the way, the it's just once pledge lasts all of 35 seconds, which. Oh, absolutely. As it, it lasts should. even less time than it usually does, which I appreciate it. Exactly. Exactly. So. I personally found this one hotter than the first book. I also enjoyed it in general, I think, more than you did. I thought it was fun. I thought the takes on, like you said, media culture and authenticity were really interesting. I thought some of the scenes between the two of them were fun. It, this one just didn't work for me quite as well. Yeah. I think largely and because of the adaptation not being all that faithful. Yes. I was going to say, I think both of us were really looking forward to seeing how Psyche and Eros were going to, like the myth itself was going to be translated instead of just a little, instead of just a few references here and there. And I think, you know, we've talked about this actually, like in fairy tale books, I think we like it when it's not necessarily a retelling of the fairy tale, but it has enough elements that we're like, oh yeah, I can recognize that. Here, I wanted like a straight allegory you know yeah I wanted a modern day retelling in the same way I sort of the first book was she literally crosses the river six like yes a lot of things have to be changed Demeter like she wasn't kidnapped that's just the story that's being told it was mm -hmm. I think this is the difference it's the difference between a straight-up retelling and a like the story you know is from one person's perspective let yes. me give you another side to that tale. And you see how the story you recognize came to be told, even where 
reality or the universe the book is creating is a very different thing. And I feel like this book tried to make the same sort of statement about perception versus reality, except the perception was just their social media personalities or lack thereof, rather than the reality of the Psyche and Cupid story. Yeah. Agreed. I agree with you. I don't know about you, but I'm, like, 100% going to be continuing with the series. <laughs> I, okay, I'm a little nervous just because I'm pretty sure the next one is going to be Callisto Zeus, who is actually Perseus. No. <laughs> you want to know what the next one is going to be, Lane? Oh, God. It's going to be Helen, Achilles, and Patroclus. <laughs> But that's not the story. No, it's not. Helen's also not a god. Okay, this is the thing. Like, I'm sort of willing to give one more a shot. But I think the number one thing that drew me to the first one and made me really excited was, like, the retelling aspect. Yeah. And clearly each subsequent book is moving further away from that, and I'm less interested. Yeah. I... At least want to try this the next book out. <laughs> I no, don't fair. Um, fair. <laughs> it's just like, but that's none of that makes any sense. It doesn't, but I don't care. I actually that's had that. a moment when they were like describing how hot Helen was in this one, like motherfucker, she's Helen of Troy. Yep. And I was very sad to be right. Actually, <laughs> <sighs> I wasn't. I was like, yes. <laughs> It's Helen. Thank you. I thought it was fun that Helen and Psyche are both, like, famous in Greek mythology for being hotter than Aphrodite. Yeah, Like, that's what got both of them in trouble, and they show up in the same book. That was a little funny. Except, obviously, Aphrodite's going to be gone, and now Aphrodite is going to be Helen's sister. Man, we're so far from (laughs) mythology at this point. We are, but I, I don't know. I'm invested enough that I, I really want to see what's happening, where they're going to go. I'm just very interested to see it. So, But don't worry. There's no consequences for Eros the assassin in this book, so I'm sure everything will be fine for everyone. It'll be good. Patroclus and Achilles will both live to the end of the book because romance novel. <laughs> Obviously they will because they're both going to be married to Helen somehow. <laughs> Math. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoy the podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and check us out on WordPress, Instagram, and Goodreads at Plotris.